Well, hey there. Good morning, Redemption. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. How are you all doing today? Awesome. Y'all excited for baptisms today? I don't, yeah, there we go. Awesome. Hey, I'm excited for, for that as well. Um, if this is your first time with us, I want to say welcome to Redemption. Uh, we're in a series called um, This Changes Everything. And what we'll be talking about is how the gospel changes um, the way that we live. It affects and impacts every sing- single thing in our life. Um, the, the way we raise our kids, the way that we work our jobs, the way we uh, view money, it changes our lives. Um, and, and so the goal of this series is that the gospel would uh, saturate every, um, every place uh, in your life and every place that you go. Um, and so that's what we'll be discussing. Now, whenever I talk about this, as we're kind of um, opening this up, is uh, what, I, what I want you to hear is when I say the gospel gives you passion and purpose. Um, what what I, we're not presenting to you is three simple steps to fix your marriage. What we're not presenting to you is, you know, how to get rich um, or like kind of your best life now stuff. Like that's not what we're presenting to you. Um, what I want to present to you is one completely impossible and unfathomable step. But if by faith... You take this step, it will change everything. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 6. That's where we're going to be hanging out today. Um, and so over the past few weeks, uh, we've seen 26 people here at Redemption since our launch who have made decisions to follow Jesus. And, and we've seen uh, 13 people today who have signed up to, to follow Jesus in baptism. We've got about 38 people who are on our serve team, who each and every week they get here about 8 o'clock or 9.30, and they set all this up from scratch. And, and so that is amazing. Hallelujah. Yeah, that is amazing. So, yeah, give that a group. Yeah, there you go. Um, and so, so, so what's next? So you've, you've received communion, you've raised your hand, you joined a team. What's next? What's next for us? Maybe that's the question you're asking yourself. You're like, okay, hey, I, I'm down. Let's do this. Or maybe you're saying, oh, what did I get myself into? And that's what we'll be discussing today is what's next, how the gospel changes the way we live. So you got Romans 6. Would you all stand with me for the reading of the word? What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him in baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So when we would no longer be enslaved to sin, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if, if we have uh, died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive in God, in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. You guys may be seated. Let's pray and then we'll dive right in. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, let me preach Jesus today. 
Let me preach Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, that we might be one with him, that we might be united with him, that we would see him in his glory, and that our hearts would respond to this. Father, as I preach, let it be your words, let it be your message. As we listen today, Lord, let us receive your words, your message, that lives would be changed forever. Lord, thank you for bringing us together as a family, and that we get to watch new people be baptized this week, and that we would continue and carry on our faith throughout the daily life that we lead. We thank you for this opportunity. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Hey, Redemption, I, I have a confession to make. Um, before I, I make a, this confession, I, I want to kind of give you a little backstory as to who I am and, and why uh, I have said confession. Um, do you remember the first time that, like, you heard music? Like, real music. Not that, you know, stuff on the radio or when your grandma had control of the station. I mean, the first time, like, you heard real music. And for me, that was the moment. Um, and it was my, my neighbor, he would pick me up for school and he would drive me. And he was a, he was a senior, I was a freshman, he was cool, me not so much. Um, and, and he picks me up and he put in a CD. And within the first three chords, I mean, I was hooked. The first three chords, it was like the music just washed over me and my soul uh, came alive. It fused with, with me at the innermost of my being. And I heard this, it was loud, it was hard, it was fast, it was uh, screaming, it was indiscernible and undescribable. And it was everything that a 14-year-old kid feels, right? And, and so, so uh, I heard this, and I, my life changed that day. It, it, this song, these three chords, seriously, uh, altered the trajectory of my adolescence. So I, I heard these three chords. As soon as I got home, I went and downloaded every single album of that band. Now, this is before anti-piracy laws, so, so don't judge me. Okay, when I went to see them in concert, I bought their t-shirts, uh, so, okay, so, uh, so and, and I went and downloaded their music. I wanted to find more bands like this. I, I identified with, with people who listened to these bands, and, and I began to trade records with my friends. It changed the way that I dressed. It changed the way that I talked. It changed the, the people that I was around. It changed the way that I felt, and I remember thinking I heard this, and I was like, there's no way I could go back to pop music. There's no way I could go back to listening to the radio. It was, it was plastic. It was, it, I saw it for what it was, cheap art and imitation. And as this is real. This is raw. This is authentic. And it changed the trajectory of my life. So maybe punk music just doesn't do it for you. That analogy just right over your head. Um, well, do you remember the first time you had a real steak? Or do you remember the first time you sat front row uh, behind the first base dugout at the Houston Astros game? And you're thinking, how could I ever, I've been buying tickets in the cheap seats all these years. How could I, you know, go back to the nosebleeds? Or when I married Ashley, I stood at the altar, I said I do, and I, I put a ring on her finger. And I thought, you know, I, I've loved other girls before. I've been with other girls before, but this is something different. This is something different. My, 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 my heart is, is melted with hers. Our souls are mingled together. How could I go back to those old loves? How could we go back to the way life used to be? You guys checking with me now? You got it? Okay. Well, I, I have a confession. Is, is I don't understand fake people. 
I, I don't understand it. I don't have patience for it. I don't have time for it. For people who prefer fake relationships, plastic religion, who cheap grace. I don't get it. I don't want it. I never have. I don't want it around me. I don't understand it. How we could go back to those things, to cheap relationships, and, and, and go back and sit in the cheap seats. I don't get it. I don't get it. I know what it's like, though. Because I do, too. Now, I go back to the nosebleeds. And I go back to the processed meats. I, I, I go back to pop songs. And when I go back to them, I know every single word. I know every word to every song, right? It's, it's comfortable. It's affordable. I, it, 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 it's, I know it. But I, I recognize it now for what it is. It's a cheap imitation. It's a cheap imitation of, of art, of relationships, and we can afford it, but we can't. And we can't. And I remember when I got saved, there was just something about Jesus that was so different than anything that I had read before. Anything that I had experienced growing up in church. When I, when I read the Bible and I, I followed Jesus and I made this conscious decision to follow him, to give him my life. And, and I'd been raised in church, and I had every reason to, to walk away. I had every reason to, to hate Christians and Christianity. But there was just one thing that I could not shake. is who is Jesus, and what does it mean for us to follow him? Not this Jesus that exists to make us happy, healthy, and whole, but the Jesus that flipped over money tables, the Jesus that, that hung out with the prostitutes and, and cussed out the Pharisees. The Jesus said that if you want to find your life, you must die. If you want to find your life, you must lose it. You want to come in first, you must be last. There is something authentic about this guy. There is something real. There is something raw. And I remember reading, it's like, I don't have time for church games. I don't have time for that. If you want it, keep it away from me. But me, I need Jesus. I need Jesus, the real Jesus. I need authentic living Right? I need the gospel. Don't give me self-help. Don't give me how-tos. Give me Jesus. That's what I need. Because that's the only thing that's going to set me free. From this. And I look at us. I say, how could we go back to plastic when we have the gospel that sets us free, that saves us. And, and I have tasted and I have seen, but yeah, I go back to those nosebleeds. And I go back to the processed meats and pop music. And I realize it for what it is. But still in my life, I let life get in the way. Because we let life get in the way of eternal life. And this is what the Apostle Paul is tackling here in this verse. And it's why it's such an important message for us to address today. Why? For your life, for your marriage, for your kiddos for the future of this church, and for the glory of Christ. And he says here is that we are dead to sin, and we are alive in Christ. Now, if you've been with us since launch, you may have noticed that like, I'm a grace guy. I'm a Bible guy. I love to preach the Bible. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to preach the Bible. Um, I preach grace as a free gift, undeserving, unmerited, unwarranted. There's nothing about us that deserves to be saved. But in God's grace and his goodness, he stepped down from heaven and he gave us his righteousness. 
that Jesus stood in your place on that cross and died the death you deserve, and then he gave us the life we could never earn. This is grace, that Jesus would stand in your place, and that now because of Jesus, when God sees you, he doesn't see your sin, but he sees his son. It's called righteousness. It's a doctrine that we call justification. And I, I preach this. That when you place your trust in Jesus, when you believe in Jesus, confess him as your Lord, he takes, he, Jesus takes your sins and he buries them in the ground and he raises and gives you this newness of life. And that's what it means for us to be alive in Christ. So, with that said, it brings us to this big question. We see it in verse 1. He says, how shall we say then, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? And here's the big question. So, so, so I am loved by God. I am saved by grace. And that means that I can continue in my sin. I can continue sinning, right? I'm good. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Right? I can just go on and, uh, and do whatever I want. What does Paul say? By no means. By no means. And, and, but, but you said that grace exists because of my sin. So that would mean that the more I sin, the more grace I get. So why do I have to, why can't I just ask for forgiveness instead of permission? And we do this. We do this. And I, I think as a Christian society, I think we have contributed to this in this consumer culture, this, that, 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 that the Christian life would be of a mental ascent, that it would be a one-time decision but no lifelong persistence, that, that we would have information but not transformation. And, and, and I think that as a society, we have contributed to this. That, uh, and this is my fear as a pastor. My fear as a pastor is that, is that I have helped contribute into this. And that there would be people in this room. There would be people in my family. There would be people that are my friends who they would say, like, I'm a Christian. But they know nothing about following Jesus. They know nothing about living in Christ being dead to sin and alive in Christ. We would have a cultural Christianity, but we would have no spiritual transformation. And this, this keeps me awake at night, that we would stand on the stage and we'd preach life change through Christ, and that this changes everything, and we would walk out the door as if nothing happened. Right? And, and, and so this is something for me that haunts me, and something that keeps me awake at night. And it's something that keeps our friends away as well. Brennan Manning, the author of Ragamuffin Gospel, he was a hippie in the Jesus movement who got saved and uh, he wrote a book. And one of the quotes says, The single greatest cause of unbelief in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and dishonor him by his lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. That we would stand on this stage and we would preach Jesus every week, that he changes lives. And when people look at us, they see nothing different. They see nothing changed. Like, yeah, you go to church on Sunday, but you still badmouth the boss. You still talk down to your wife, right? You still binge drink on the weekends and, and, and hook up with your girlfriend. And you, you still, like, uh, I don't get it. Like, you still tell racist jokes and you make, you laugh and think everything is okay. Like, you're kidding, right? We, we see you for what you are. You say you're a Christian, but the rest of us, we just think you're a jerk. If that's what you're selling, I don't want it. And, and, and so we all recognize this. That this is not what we signed up for. This isn't what's next 
for us. So what does he say? He says, he says, how could we go back to that? And for me, I'm siding with the skeptics on this one. If that's the gospel that you have, like, I'm not buying it. Because me, I need something that's real. I need something that can change this. I need something to touch, something I can taste, something that fuses with my soul, that transforms me from the inside out, that my DNA altered from the essence of my being would be changed because this is not working. He says, how could we go back when this is what we've been given? This is the message that we say. How could we say we have died to sin but still live in it? I don't don't get it. It's like sleeping in a graveyard. It's like laying with corpses. It's like we're building a house in a cemetery when we've been promised a mansion in heaven. I don't get it. I see my friends do this all the time. People who meet Jesus three months and then they they just can't find him anymore. Or people who have been following Jesus and then one day they just decide, I'm just going to walk away. They're going to leave their, their friends, leave their husbands. They're going to leave their, their, their church. And they just say, I'm done. And I don't get it. How do we go back to that? But we do. We do. But we can't. We can't. In verse 6, he says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. To follow Jesus means for us to be one with him, to be one with him, that we are fused together. That is him that lives in us. That is him that moves through us. It's all about Jesus. And this is your life now. When you give your life to Jesus, you, like, you give him your life. It's not yours. When you give him your heart, he has it in his hands and he throws it away and he gives you a new one. Your life is his life. His death is your death. His resurrection is your resurrection. That our lives are, are fused together. We become one. We become united with God. Now think about this. Think about this. The, the creator of the universe resides inside of you. One with us. That God, all other religions say, make your way to God, but God has made his way to us. And that not only did he make his way to us, but he made us one with him and with one another. Think about this. That this is who we are. And in that, your old man, your old desires, uh, they're dead and you've been raised with newness of life. Because we have a new God and we are no longer slaves, but now sons and daughters. But you say, Byron, I still live in sin. But Byron, I still sin. And you even just said just a minute ago that, that you sin. So what does this mean? That I'm not saved? Does this mean that I'm not a child of God? Because I, I go back? Because I still sin? Does this mean that I lose my salvation every time that I sin? No. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we don't make a home in sin. What I'm saying, and I want you to listen to me very carefully, because what I don't want you to hear is that I'm teaching perfectionism. Because I'm not teaching perfectionism, that, that we have to be perfect, and that if we sin, then we lose our salvation. That's, that's, not, that's not what I'm teaching. But what I'm saying is that by God's grace, we've got to be making some progress. By God's grace, we're making progress. It's like, yeah, we go back to the pop music, the nosebleeds, the processed meats, but now we recognize it for what it is. It's comfortable, it's affordable, but it's a sham. By God's grace, we're making progress. 
Right? The Christian life for us is a journey. It's a process. It takes our entire lives to get there. You're not going to get there the moment you sign up. Right? It's always a day-to-day dying to yourself and being raised with Christ. There are some days where, where, where it's going to be hard. There are some days where it's going to look better to go back. But don't. Don't give up. Don't quit. I'm not saying you have to be perfect, but, man, you've got to be willing. You've got to be willing to walk with us. Because we can do it together, but we can't do it alone. And it's this day in, day out, walking with Jesus that changes the way we live. Because in our old life, it's a day-to-day grind. But now it's a daily dying. Which sounds harder, a grind or death? Jesus says you got to die. It's dying to ourselves daily. And what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about just the people who have it all together. Because none of us have it all together. None of us got it. I'm going to be 80 and still trying to figure out how to love Ashley Moore tomorrow. I'm going to be 80 still trying to figure out how to walk with Jesus more. And that's how it should be. That it takes your whole life to figure this thing out. Now I'm not saying perfection, but I am saying progress. But many of us, we act like everything's perfect and we stopped making progress. And others have stopped making progress and act like everything's perfect. The love of Jesus has set you free from the slavery of your sin. That means it no longer has dominion over you. John Owen, one of the great reformers, he said, be killing sin or it will be killing you. But instead of killing sin, we try to tame it. We like to give it a name. We call it a hobby. Right? We take it out on the weekends. We do it in secret. We run back to it. Instead of killing sin, we try to tame it. And there will always be things in your life that are trying to get your attention. People, places, things trying to steal your time, talents, and treasures. There will always be things in this life. But we have to make a decision, and it's a daily decision. Do I choose life or eternal life? Do I choose the things of this world or the things that, that, that the pursuits that God has called me to? And we have to make this decision every single day because if this is real, this changes everything. My desires are no longer my desires. My old life is gone. I have a new life. I have a new character. I have a new nature. And it's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about what I get. No. This life is now all about Jesus. That we would be Christ-centered on his mercy, his grace, his goodness, his promise, centered around the gospel. And this is what I mean, that if you're looking for passion and purpose, this is what it is. Everything else is cheap idols and imitations. This is what Paul is calling us into. That this would be our passion. This would be our purpose. The gospel of Jesus overflowing every aspect of our lives. That we might not be perfect, but by grace we're making progress. And we choose eternal life over life. And many people... If you stretch the, the breadth, the lengths of your hands like this, and you were to take just a clip of your pinky nail off, that would be your existence in human history. This. Just a little tip right up there. And you think, you live for this? When God has given you so much more. But yet we still waste our lives on this. Just this little bit. 
You're not even guaranteed 50, 60, 70 years. But that's what you bank on. Why settle for life when God has given you eternal life? And that we die in this, we live in this, in our everyday, because we've been united with Christ. How have we been united with Christ? How has this, this union taken place? Through his death, burial, and his resurrection. Here it says that when Jesus died on the cross, we were crucified with him. That that cross is the death you deserve. My, my sins, my life on that cross because of my sins. But Jesus went to that cross in my place. And as he died for my sins, my sins were forgiven. Your sins were forgiven because of Jesus' death on that cross. Jesus' death is your death. And when they took Jesus' body off of that cross, he took your sins down with him and he buried them into the ground. Forgiven and forgotten. Your sins are buried in the earth. Jesus' burial is your burial. And as Jesus rose on that third day, as he ascended, as he came with newness of life, he gives you newness of life as well. And I want you to understand this. It's that the story didn't end with the burial. Because if the story ended with his burial, then you could keep going on and doing whatever you want. Because your sins are not forgiven. Because we are still in our sins. But because Jesus rose, you rise. That's how it works. Because Jesus rose, you have been risen to new life. That the resurrection happens so newness of life is possible. That, that Jesus would take your sins and he would bury them in the ground. And then he would raise them to new life. Raise you to new life. Set you free from Satan, sin, and shame. That he would conquer death, despair, depression, disease. That he would conquer that through his death, burial, and resurrection. Paul wraps all this up in a beautiful illustration of baptism. To your sins be buried in that watery grave, you'll be raised to newness of life. It's a beautiful illustration of what God does for us. And Paul wraps it up in the illustration of baptism. Now, I'm from Southeast Texas. I'm sure many of us are. Um, we still have friends. We got friends who are from different states and different countries. Um, you know, but I don't think it would be a huge stretch for most of us to think, um, you know, we've all been kind of raised in church, Right? I mean, we've heard this before. Um, and for me, I, I was baptized when I was six. I was raised in church. Um, but the problem was is I wasn't saved until I was 20. Um, and so as I was raised in church, it was kind of just a thing you did. You signed up, you got baptized. Right? It went to church camp or something. Um, but as I grew up, I, I walked away from the faith. And so for me, it wasn't authentic. When I, I, I was 20 and I got saved, I'd been living like hell, and I wanted the world to know that I made a decision to follow Jesus. I'm not discrediting it for you guys. We got some kiddos who are going to be baptized today, so, so we're not discrediting it. But for me, it wasn't authentic. For me, it wasn't real. Um, and I, I knew that I wanted to make this public declaration of faith. And so I got rebaptized. And, and so, um, you know, just because we are baptized, though, doesn't mean we are saved. And I meet people all the time. They're like, well, hey, do I have to be baptized in order to be saved? No. You don't have to. But I, I want to ask you a question. Because you know? they'll say, like, oh, well, I don't want to be baptized then. 
And I'll say, well, let me ask you a question. Um, why do you want to do the bare minimum to get by? Right? Why not plunge into the depths of God's grace for your life? Experience the union in that moment. And experience the newness of life through it. Here we are just trying to do the bare minimum to get by. We're half-hearted when we are called to follow Jesus with our whole hearts. So as you know, we were raised in this and church and for baptism. For me, there was, I, I just wanted to take that step to let people know that my life had changed. And this is what it was like for the Romans. As the Romans, you know, they had been following their own false gods. They had kind of done whatever they want. They chased their desires. And whenever they got saved in that church, it was a public declaration of what Jesus had done. It set them apart from empire and the kingdom. There was a real visible moment for that. Let's think of baptism kind of like a wedding ring. All right. So when you get married, you, you go stand up on the altar and you say I do and you exchange vows. And you place a wedding ring on it. You place the wedding ring on. Baptism is very similar to the wedding ring of your faith. Baptism is similar to the wedding ring of your faith. Now, you don't have to have it to be married, but what would people think about you and how you love your wife if you don't wear your ring? And so when we look at baptism, we say, no, we don't have to have it, but we get to wear it to let the world know that I have made a decision to follow Jesus. And here's the big idea behind all of that, is you can have a personal relationship with Jesus, but you can't have a private one. It must go public. That what Jesus does in you, he does through you. You can have a personal relationship, but you cannot have a private one. And for many of us, we have been living our lives with the, the wedding ring of our souls tucked in a drawer somewhere. And many of us, we have been living our lives as if our baptism was null and void. And many of us, we live in this mental ascent. We live in this information, but no transformation. That we, we say we are saved, but we know nothing of following Christ. Jesus has something so much greater for you. Jesus has something so much more for your life. And when I say passion, I say purpose, that's what I mean. To see the city around us change, to see the world around us change, to see your children change, your marriage, to see your family, to see this church. God is calling us to him. And he shows us his great love and by giving us his son, that through his death, burial, and resurrection, we would be raised to new life. So we call the band forward. I want to close with this. We're going to play a song here in just a sec. You guys probably know it. It's called, I Have Decided. It says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Do you guys know that old hymn? It's a beautiful hymn. It's a beautiful song. And we sing it as kids, but somehow we've lost our imagination. To think about these words, that I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. So as we sing this, I want you to 
really think about it. That there are 13 people who are going public with their faith today to be baptized. And this is what we want them to know, what it means to follow Jesus. For those 26 who have met Jesus, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. Here at Redemption, we are building our foundation on this gospel. That Jesus changes lives, literally changes them, spiritually changes them to be united with him. No half-hearted Christianity, no turning back. What it means to follow Jesus is at all costs, the, the, the cross before you, the world behind you. This is the ethos that we build this church on. To genuinely see lives transformed by the power of the gospel. And so for some of us today, it's like we heard music for the first time. There's something that has washed over you. Your, your heart has been made alive. And for the first time, you get it. And for you, I would say my challenge is to follow Jesus, to, to grab after him, to cling to him, because he is the only thing that sets you free. Follow Jesus, the real Jesus. And I, I would say to you, like, you can be the Christian that changes the environment, right? You might have seen it happen one way, but that doesn't mean you have to be that way. You could be the, the type of Christian that changes mindsets. The type of Christian that I believe is authentic faith. So I would say to you, be baptized today. Don't worry about what you're wearing. We got t-shirts upstairs. We got shorts for you. We got a towel. We got everything covered. Don't, don't let anything hold you back. If that's you, hey, sign up. We'll, we'll, get, you, we'll get you baptized. We'll take communion in just a second. We'll, we'll toss you out there. That's what it means for us to follow Jesus. And for others of us, we've been acting like everything's perfect when we know it's not. We keep going back. For some of us, we act like we're making progress, but we're not. We act like everything's okay, but you know it's not. It doesn't have to stay that way. It's not too late. You can follow Jesus still. So I challenge you, there are people in this room who need to respond to both of them, both challenges. But the truth is, is both people in this room need one another. The new Christians need the seasoned Christians to learn what it's like to be wise. And, and the seasoned saints, you need the new Christians to remember what it's like to be passionate. And maybe if we could become a family, we could really get something done in the city. But before we build, we have to establish this, this fact that the gospel is the center for our lives. It's all we got. No turning back. No holding back. So if you would stand with me and you would sing this song and you know it, you mean it, you hear it.